not a lot of effort to set it up. You can even use uh, AI to generate jobs to be done framework for you. I hate carousels. Okay. I, I really hate them <laughs> from my own experience, but it's also, they are very sensitive, like for going wrong. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Click to Buy. Today, I have my guest here, Sander. Thanks for coming for the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, can you maybe start by briefly introducing yourself, what it is that you do, give our audience a little teaser? Yeah, sure. So I'm Sander. I'm a freelance CRO specialist from north of the Netherlands. I focus on helping companies setting up their whole CRO process internally. And yeah, that's a little bit about me. And uh, what do you do? Like, do you have any products or services we can plug here? I know you have a podcast. Maybe <laughs> someone wants to tune into that as well. Yeah, that's definitely true. So I have two products. I have my podcast, Golden Nuggets for Experimentation. It's a weekly podcast where I share one insight related to CRO each week. It's a five to 10 minute podcast. That's the concept. So you can easily learn something and apply it in the same week. I also have a tool called zero-tool.com and that's a search engine for psychology and how to leverage psychology for your CRO process. But I don't want to go in too many details yeah. here because yeah. then it can be very complex, but those are the two side projects I'm working on currently. Excellent. Well, we'll drop the uh, tool in our podcast notes as well, in case anyone wants to check that out. Uh, so now that we know a little bit about you, so Click to Buy is sponsored by Instant, which is a Shopify no-code page builder. And I'm Becca, I'll be your host today. So to kick things off, let's start a section we like to call This or That, where we debate and hear your hot takes on different uh let's say tactics that people who are building a page can use. So this or that, would you recommend from your perspective, a personalized product recommendations or bestsellers on a brand's homepage and why? Or both? Ooh. I'm not sure. I think it can be very interesting for returning visitors. I don't necessarily know if I would put it for uh, new visitors there. Mm -hmm. But if you have a product that's relevant for the current situation, because currently we are in the summer, of course, here mm -hmm. in Europe, at least. And if you have some hot summer items like bathing clothing, I guess, anything mm -hmm. like that or flip flops or anything that can be really interesting to showcase now at this point of time. Uh, probably the sale already started. So yeah, that's something you can highlight, of course. And for returning visitors, when they view the certain product, yeah, of course, show it on the homepage or related products when they return. But I would prefer to use the categories, highlight the different mm -hmm. categories you have, maybe the subcategories. I think that's way more valuable because highlighting the most sold items, for example, that's too general. It's too, yeah. People yeah. don't necessarily see the point of going to to these products. So mm -hmm. no, I wouldn't recommend to do it for new users, but highly recommend it for returning. Gotcha. All right. And let's do another one. 
Um, so again, this is maybe when somebody's on the page and you're trying to keep them there. Uh, do you recommend exit intent pop-ups or scroll-based pop-ups? Well, hmm. or not at all. <laughs> no, no, I highly suggest to do pop-ups, but I use mm -hmm. pop-ups more to collect information from my visitors. Mm. But what you're asking me are two different type of uh, visitors. So the one is mm -hmm. leaving the page, mm -hmm. um, which on mobile is really hard to check. So the exit intent pop-up is likely not to work on mobile devices and tablet devices, so it's desktop only. Mm -hmm. And the scroll depth, however, is working on every device. But how many people scroll and at what scroll level do you set it? So yeah, I would recommend do one of them, do both of them. Uh, if they are leaving, you can request like, hey, uh, why are you leaving? Not like that, but more subtle, of course. Mm -hmm. And depending on the scroll depth, you could um, focus on a call to action, for example, like, hey, subscribe to the newsletter for, and you get uh, five to 10 euros off, something like that. Mm -hmm. I think I would use it like that. And the exit intent is very important because you want to know why people are leaving the website. So I will use that on desktop then for uh, collecting uh, customer feedback. Well, it sounds like it's really nice and specific. So the answer is kind of like, it depends on maybe what platform someone is accessing your site on and what you're hoping to achieve with the pop-up. So some great little nuggets of advice there. Um, and another one. So I recently read an article that was arguing that um, on like a homepage for a D2C site, oftentimes people misuse carousels on the top. And oftentimes it might be better to have just like a static hero image. Which do you prefer and which would you advise? I hate carousels. Okay. I, I really hate them <laughs> from my own experience, but it's also, mm -hmm. they are very sensitive, like for going wrong. So it can increase load time of your website and you want your website to be fast, especially for mobile users. When they are in a train, for example, and you don't have Wi-Fi, so it's related to the general network, and yeah, then it's terrible to load carousels. So I would rather focus on uh, creating a good uh, title, subtitle, and call mm -hmm. to action, and a B test with these uh, to improve the click-through rate to other pages or get them to become a lead or anything. But with a carousel, you're giving more information. And by giving more information, you might not be as specific as the user wants. So I would mm -hmm. focus on the messaging rather than showing as much information as possible. Gotcha. So kind of be specific, focus on what you're trying to achieve. I also feel like personally, when I'm on a page with the carousel, sometimes it moves so fast that I don't even know what the first thing is that they wanted me to look at. Definitely true. That's a big part of it. <laughs> yes. And yeah. that's also like with uh, those carousels that go automatically, like mm -hmm. there's a difference if you scroll in a page and there's a carousel, you can swipe showing mm -hmm. different items from a category, for example, for a web shop or different tiers of subscriptions for a software service. 
that's okay. But the automatic carousels, no, just don't. No. Just don't do it. Stand no. away. We have a hot take here. No automatic rotating carousels. <laughs> Agree. Well, love it. So now we'll dive into maybe deeper questions. So I know that you're big into kind of psychology and different frameworks. So what maybe experimentation frameworks could be helpful to use or implement when it comes to conversion on your e-commerce site? There are two that are top of mind for me right now. The first Absolutely. one is the jobs to be done framework. It's basically everybody that comes to your website has a certain job. They either want to buy new clothing um, because of the reason that they just want it for fun. And the outcome is they have like a product they really like. But a job could also be, uh, we don't have any clothing anymore because uh, it just was worn out. And the outcome is they have new clothing. But this is different from the first one because the second job to be done can be focused on um, products that have a long, uh, how do you call it? That they shelf life or last longer. Yeah, they last longer. That's what mm -hmm. I was looking for. Like, so there are different perceptives of uh, the way uh, people visit the website or experience it. Somebody is looking maybe for the long lasting clothing, while the other is more into fast fashion and for a lower mm -hmm. budget. So, I would use the jobs to be done framework to collect all the different. Um, type of people that visit your website and from there on try to optimize for each audience and this can be like the fast fashion those people are often just looking at the images that are there maybe the reviews but that's it well on a page you can put a lot of more content of course so you can use these places to uh, enhance the experience of your other uh, visitors so that's what I really like. And the jobs to be done framework, it's not a lot of effort to set it up. You can even use uh, AI to generate jobs to be done framework for you, giving you 10 to 20 examples of how you could, um, yeah, the different type of people that might visit your website. You have to write a good prompt, obviously, but mm -hmm. well, that's the first which I really like to use to optimize websites. Yeah. So the, the first is jobs to be done. And you yeah. said you have a second one. Yeah. It's the PAS okay. framework. It's problem agitate solution. So this is handy for uh, landing pages, for example. So you define the problem um, that somebody is having, so they can really relate to the thing you are selling. Then you agitate it, so you make it even worse. And like, mm -hmm. these are the results because of you not uh, being able to do something. And then you come up with the solution. So this is a way to structure your content. And this is what get, gets people engaged and really go through your website. So the chance that they like your product is higher because they can resonate more with it. So that's the second one. I really like to use those two to optimize uh, my websites. Yeah, that's really interesting. Can you think of an example of like maybe how we can think through the second framework with like a problem, agitate, and then solution? 
maybe an experiment you did or a project you worked on? Yeah, I'm trying. I guess obviously it depends on what you're selling. Of course. Um, yeah, I'm thinking like of a good one, like, well, for example, mm-hmm. um, at our household, we like to do things uh, good for nature. So uh, we don't buy leather bags, for example. We buy vegan leather bags. They are made mm-hmm. out of different material. So a problem we have is like, hey, there aren't any nice-looking, real-looking vegan leather bags. So we could resonate with that. It's agitated by, um, hey, are you also tired of not having these uh, good-looking vegan leather bags? And... Uh, or are they too expensive? So it's another way to relate um, to the problem. And they come up with the solution offering us the best vegan leather bag that looks good for an affordable price, for example. And that way is, well, we could resonate with that. So it's that's for us, it's like, hey, we like this brand because they understand us. And that's how you sell. Absolutely. I think that makes a really good point. Like, especially in a crowded market, it's how you can kind of stand out. I think you hit on the two really interesting points there. Well, I think that's a great example. Uh, Maybe to hop on to another kind of testing, kind of experimental based question. What are kind of the essentials to keep in mind when setting up, let's say, like an A-B test or another type of test? Oh, the essentials is research. Yeah. Everything uh-huh. you do needs to be backed by data. And you need to do this because that increases your chance of having a successful experiment. Um, A-B testing, I call it experiments. I'll try to name it A-B testing, but <laughs> okay. experimentation is larger than only A-B testing. Yeah, feel um, free to take your answer where it will. <laughs> like we want to keep it open here. Yeah, so it's really important to collect data from heat maps, recordings, Google Analytics, for example, or any other analytics tool. Combine your different findings from each type of research and write a hypothesis. From this hypothesis, it's a way of evaluating uh, what you expect of the experiment, what you expect of the outcome, but also what you expect to learn from it. So, yeah, if you have this solid basis, you start running an A-B test, then you can learn something from it. But you could also say, hey, this is successful because mm-hmm. of this, these reasons from my hypothesis. But then we get to the point like, okay, what's even more important? Like you can do the whole process up front. It, it's doable. It's not the easiest, but it's doable. But then you get at the point of running your experiment. And that's when you get into data. And when your data isn't correct, you won't learn anything. And Mm -hmm. the chance of improving your website decreases drastically. So I think data in general for um, collection for running your experiments is the most important part. Because that's the only way you can say like, hey, this is what happened or this didn't happen. So yeah, data from your (laughs) (laughs) 
experiment, yeah, that's the most important part, definitely. Otherwise, you never know if it's true or not. Really great advice. I think that's a good point. Like you have to have the right mindset and you have to really focus on the data and making sure that you have the right data and you're interpreting it correctly. Um, I know you spoke a little bit about AI in one of your other answers. Maybe you can give any advice on people who might be interested in the topic out there. How can AI be used to help with conversion? Okay. This is very interesting. <laughs> like for now, I'm only using ChatGPT because mm -hmm. I can give uh, that tool all the input I have. And I'm using ChatGPT for a couple of reasons. For example, if I need to do an analysis of a survey, like the survey has a hundred answers and I need like the top 10 answers, then you can ask uh, ChatGPT, hey, can you combine similar answers and give me a top 10 of the most frequent uh, answers you get um, that we got? Mm -hmm. And from there on, you will get feedback quite easily. Well, if you have to read everything one by one, yeah. it might take you an hour, maybe two, to really uh, have it ready. However, the quality of doing the analysis yourself is way higher. So ChatGPT, take it with a grain of salt, but it can be very valuable if you have to do something uh, very quickly. And of course, this will improve over time with having ChatGPT version 4, while the free mm -hmm. version is version 3. So yeah, there's already the difference. And it's also about how you give the information and how you ask ChatGPT to give the answer back to you. So that's one way to use ChatGPT. But it's also handy to come up with new product titles, product descriptions, mm -hmm. but always ask like, for five to 10 answers. So you can switch yourself between them, see what you like, combine or anything like that. So I think, yeah, it's more for the inspirational side, not for the final, but mm -hmm. you can use it to fasten up your process. And like I said, you can use it for jobs to be done framework to generate it for you, but you could also use it for the PAS which I named earlier as a framework, like, hey, this is the current landing page I have. Give all the input to uh, ChatGPT that it needs and generate the framework for you. These are always to use it. I also use it like, hey, um, I want to run this experiment at a countdown somewhere on the page because this is a temporary um, sale we have. Then I asked ChatGPT that, to generate it for me and it generates the JavaScript I need. Like 30 to 40% of the final 100% that I need, but it's a good way to start. Otherwise I would just be Googling for an hour. So yeah, then I can better ask the question to ChatGPT and fine tune it. But the basic is you need to understand everything you want to get back mm. in order to make use of it. If you don't know what you're doing or you don't know the right questions to ask or the final result you need, that's yeah, then you get misled by the tool because the tool only does what you say. So that's 
be careful with that. But those are a couple of ways to use AI to your advantage. And you should. I think, I think that's really interesting. And especially what you speak of, which I think some people call like the dark side of AI is it's only as powerful as like the person who's using the tool. Um, maybe a nice follow-up question is, where do you find like inspiration or resources that have helped you come up with your prompts right now? Is it just from your own brain or is there some place where you see a lot of things that inspire you as you use the tool? No, this is, I write the prompts from my own way, but there nice. are like a Google home extensions that you can use mm -hmm. like air PM. Like, yeah, yeah you know it. And mm -hmm. it, you have to pay for it nowadays, but it has a really large database with prompts. But I figure like I want prompts to relate to what I'm looking for. So I rather yeah. write them myself, but that's always the case with anything I do. So it could be a bit personal as well. <laughs> um, I rather have full control over it as far mm -hmm. as I can. And I always try to optimize it. Um, you know, you could use ChatGPT also to write the script for your podcast, for example, or come on, or you, <laughs> who knows? Or like if you have an introduction call, you uh, let AI create the script from the audio we have, and you uh, can generate an article from it, for example. Those are interesting things to do with ChatGPT that save a lot of time. Uh, always fine tune of course but yeah definitely well thanks for that little insightful tidbit on how ai can help with conversion um kind of moving past ai do you have any other tools that you can really recommend for helping with conversion this could be for any part of the work you do i know you do a lot of different things when it comes to conversion yeah there are a couple of tools and i uh most of them are free. Like I really like mm -hmm. Microsoft Clarity, for example. It's a free tool from Microsoft, of course, Microsoft. But um, yeah, it can generate heat maps for you. It uh, does the recordings, similar to Hotjar, but Hotjar really mm -hmm. scaled down their tiers and the free version. You can do some things with it, but it's not a lot anymore. Well, Microsoft Clarity is free and they promise to be free forever. Okay. Plus, we like are, that. We like that. Yeah, I would like that. And they are <laughs> also including AI in their tool as well to answer um, video recordings. So you're watching at a video recording or a heat map, and they will describe what's happening in the recording or on the heat map. Mm -hmm. So you quickly can get insights without having to watch all of these recordings, for example. So that's a tool I really like. Then I use Google Tag Manager a lot to track mm -hmm. everything I want to track uh, combined with Google Analytics 4. But I also run mm -hmm. my experiments using Google Tag Manager most of the time. So not a lot of people know it, but you can just run a B test with Google Tag Manager. You need a custom setup, take some time to set up, but once it's running, it's working great. However, this is more for the companies that are like starting out with zero, want to experiment with experimentation. And if, if you're going to scale up, you'll probably get to pay tools or build something yourself. Interesting tool could be a B lift. 
It's really growing. I really like it because it's really simple. It's an alternative to Google Optimize, uh, which is sunsetting. So if you want to move to a pay tool, I would talk to the founder of that tool. He, great mm -hmm. guy, explains everything, not a salesperson. He's great. So those are tools that are very interesting to me to use, um, which I use a lot. And Google Analytics 4, of course, it's interesting. Mm -hmm. It's a hassle to get into, but once you <laughs> understand it, then yeah, it, it will be better. Nice. Thank you. We'll definitely have to have this list of tools and maybe have to reach out to the founder of the AV Lift. Maybe he'd be an interesting guest as well. Would definitely do that. <laughs> and uh, thinking about kind of in a broader sense, are there any brands out there that you've seen either in your work or your personal life that you think are really getting kind of conversion right when it comes to their design? Yes, there are a couple. <laughs> Um, the worth mentioning is, uh, Sparrow, for example, they mm -hmm. are a large company, but they are creating blueprints for the whole CRO process. Basically no school is teaching CRO. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you've got to learn it all yourself and they are uh, writing every blueprint there is on every part of the process. So that's very interesting. They do experimentation themselves for clients as well, but they mm -hmm. also like to share with other specialists like myself. Then we have like the second one I would like to mention is online dialogue. It's mm -hmm. from the Netherlands. I've started out my zero career there. I did a course with them and um, yeah, they are like on top. If it comes to psychology, a B testing, um, everything that comes with it. Mm -hmm. And the third company I would like to mention is Tritech. So this is a German company. Uh, they are an agency and they are doing amazing stuff. They are doing design wise, code wise. They do the whole zero process. So yeah, you will speak to Nils. I heard the founder yeah. <laughs> of that company as well. So yeah, you will get to know him better and his company. It's, it's mm -hmm. a great company. Do you have actually, uh, maybe I always like to ask this as a question. What is a question you'd like our next guest to answer? Maybe since you know Niels, what is a question you'd like Niels to answer? Ooh, if you're going to ask Niels, ask him how he calculates the return of investment of experimentation. Okay. How he calculates the return of investment of experimentation. Yes. Well, I will let you know what he says. <laughs> because that's okay. a really interesting part as well mm -hmm. in uh, CRO, like run experiments, but you also want to know what's mm -hmm. the value. What do I get back? And we can calculate that. So. Yeah. Absolutely. And maybe um, a last question from you, from a previous guest, actually. Oh, shoot. Uh, yeah. So don't worry. I think this is quite an interesting one. So this guest said they were a bit of a contrarian and wanted to know what is something that you didn't think would work that worked when you did a test or what's something that maybe the rules say you shouldn't do this when it comes to conversion, but you broke that rule and then it worked. Well, okay. This needs a <laughs> bit of an explanation. Mm -hmm. um, but what I feared was I was working for an international scale-up 
and they were starting to uh, grow from the Netherlands to Germany to France, Belgium, Spain, Italy. So, um, yeah, what I quickly noticed is if you run experiments cross-border, so meaning in different countries, different states, different parts of the world, uh, nothing will work the same in every country. <laughs> so basically okay. you will end up with different websites per country um, mm -hmm. unless you have high volumes of traffic and can generate it into one uh, specific website. But you notice like doing experiments for different cultures is something on a whole new level. So you need to run experiments based on cultures that are alike. That's why I know it's like, hey, I want to do, run an experiment. Shall I run it for the Netherlands and combine it with the German, for example, mm -hmm. because I thought we were somewhat similar mm -hmm. in meaning of culture, at least different from Spain and Italy because they have other mentality there. Mm -hmm. And um, no, it didn't work. I really had to experiment <laughs> per country. I couldn't combine any basically, but it's also, again, you can't run an experiment for the whole of USA. It's like no. Texas has a different culture from Michigan, right? Mm -hmm. So there are different mm -hmm. cultures which you have to take into consideration. And this is really important when you want to scale up and grow across different countries. So I think that's what surprised me a lot. Like, oh, not everybody thinks alike and not everybody likes the same. Same with colors. Colors have different meanings all around the world. So be careful with those. Yeah, I think that's great advice. So at the end of the day, you really need to make kind of a localized shopping experience and think per market and know that maybe what works even in one half of one country won't work on the other coast. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Sander, on this episode of Quick to Buy. It was a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Hard yeah. questions sometimes, but yeah. Well, we <laughs> like that. So for anyone out there, remember you can tune in to Sander's Golden Nuggets podcast. Did yes. I get the name right? All right. Golden Nuggets for Experimentation. Yeah. Yes, golden nuggets for experimentation. Otherwise, we hope you'll tune in next for our next episode of Clicked Buy. Thank you.